0: evening we want to speak on uh, the title Undone in the Presence of the Lord. Undone in the Presence of the Lord. Will you turn with me to the book of Isaiah, please? We have two readings from Isaiah. First one is in chapter 64. And While you're looking this up, can I say that in preaching this tonight, I'm conscious that we're doing this. In the mouth of what is happening in the earth, the world, today, just coming in there I heard this evening, haven't seen it myself, but someone said that there was a suicide bomber went into a Christian church in India and was blowing them up, 40-something blown to pieces, while also in Kenya, Nairobi, Islamic gunmen have separated Uh, those who follow Islam and those who are uh, classed or call themselves profess to be Christian, and they have shot men, women, and children. I don't know the final total. It's still happening at the minute. And all these things that are happening, I'm conscious that this is in the mouth of all of this, that it is fulfillment, not those shootings and bombings in particular, but what is happening is in fulfillment of Bible prophecy, and of especially Revelation chapter 16, three unclean spirits like frogs out of the mouth of the beast, the dragon, and the false prophet. And I've preached on this before, and I'm just waiting, I'm praying about this. Look at what's happened to Syria, and in Syria with Russia and Iran, and the, the beast, uh, uh, the dragon, and the false prophet. The beast is Romanism and papacy and the European Union, and all that spins off that, the monetary system from it. And we can see it all happening in Europe at the moment. We look at communism, which is the dragon, and the dragon of communism, not only communism, but communist Zionism, and the false prophet, the false prophet of the Islamic prophet Muhammad of Islam, and look what's happening in the earth. And in saying this, this is a warning to... The individual it 's a warning what we're bringing tonight to the uh, to the nation to all who can hear it that Britain, the West in general, but Britain and the United States and Canada are setting themselves up as it were for an, a, a a terrorist attack uh, like we 've heard today, and I believe that this may happen pretty soon. And don't be surprised if it was the one world government or the new world order who are setting these up to cause others to, be, to do their dirty work. And when it happens it's to give us liability, no, uh, responsibility to go into other nations to destroy them. To bring us into war. To see British and American boots on the ground. And to see that Uh, that will see our young people, our young men and women, go into unjust wars that have been started up by a group of uh, men and women who are satanic to the core, uh, worshiping the God of this world, i.e., the devil, and trying to bring a new world order together. We've seen, I don't know if you've read these things, but recently in uh, in newspapers, the, the the Pope has now said that An atheist does not need to believe in God to be entering heaven. Now, this is Francis the Pope, the Jesuit, who now the first Jesuit sitting on the papal chair. You do not need, he says to the atheist. He also said earlier before that, that he would not be speaking against, and I'm paraphrasing this, speaking against uh, homosexuality either and the practice, practice of homosexuality. And here it is. It's, what is he doing? Gathering everyone together. It's called ecumenism. It's called one-worldism. And he's also met and meeting, like other popes have, with Islamic faiths, because there is a connection there also, although they say they fight with each other. But there's a connection there also. So be on your guard, for the great dragon has raised his head again, Russia. And don't be surprised— uh, and don't be fooled when it says that they are speaking on uh, America's uh, terms that are uh, to do with Syria. It's bang time. That's all it is. It's bang time. And the Russians um, have armed and have been arming with nuclear weapons Iran. It's the Persia of Bible prophecy from Ezekiel 38 is Iran. The Colossus of the north who comes against the land of Israel at the start— then I believe comes against ourselves, and uh, that will be in Ezekiel thirty-eight also, and that is Russia, who are coming, who will come against the land. But don't be fooled by them saying that they're on our side, because they're not. The Bible says that they're not. So let's believe the word of God and let's stay true to the word of God. The great communist dragon, friends with uh, Iran. Iran have uh, Hezbollah, who are in Syria and Hezbollah also have troops or terrorist organization in Lebanon. And don't be, don't be fooled either by the so-called revolution of the men and the women in Syria, because they are Al-Qaeda-linked. They originally started up uh, mainly as a as a resistance group uh, against uh, Hassad and his regime, but they are now infiltrated, completely infiltrated, by Al-Qaeda. That's why Britain needs to stay out of it. That's why the United Kingdom and the United States need to keep well clear. That is a powder keg ready to go off. By the way, Iran have issued a press release that they have said this, that they will never—this is from the Ayatollah—that they will never make nuclear weapons. Now, that is not true. And all they're doing, I believe, is biding time also, for they're in talks with the Russians to buy hundreds of weapons, missiles that can reach Jerusalem, and further afield. I don't know how far in, uh, can reach Britain or what sort of missiles these are, but these are long-range missiles that they're in talks with now with the Russians while telling people they want peace and don't want anything to do with the nuclear arms race. But they have it already. And what you hear is only the tip of it. And I'm saying all that in the face of all of this. We need to see our nation... As a Christian church, we need to see our nation and cry out. The church has become a toothless tiger. The church has become so politically correct, it's unrecognizable anymore. The church has become so weak and watery that we don't care about the gospel anymore. In fact, there's no difference in a lot of the churches on the world and what the world do, how the world speak, where the world go, and how the world act. And we need as a church to stand up again for the gospel, for the word of God, have the fire of the Holy Ghost and God's word burning in our hearts, in these last days especially, because Jesus is coming. And everything that you hear on the news, that's just what they want you to hear. So don't be surprised if you hear other things. By the way, I did mention a few weeks ago, I want to just clarify this, that I wouldn't, wouldn't have been surprised if there was something, an attack or something, happened on September the 11th. But there wasn't. You know what happened? The United States came forward, and Barack Obama gave his big flurry speech on the 11th of September, the date that we, we said, because 11 is, is crucial in Bible prophecy for this. Now, we're not going to go into all that tonight. That's another thing. But Barack Obama started... And he started plying the people with other notions and other things. And people are blind to it. They don't even see it. And in behind it all, there's a working of the new world order to gather together men under one banner and women under one banner in order that you can be controlled. By the way, you're already a slave to the European Union. You're already a slave to the New World Order because every single one of us are already that's not counting your house or your property, your mortgage, you're already seventy-three thousand pounds, you and your children each, in debt. You're already a prisoner to the monetary system. Everyone in Britain is seventy-three thousand pounds in debt. That's man, woman, baby, and child. So I have four in my immediate family. Count up four seventy threes and I'll give you the idea of what we are already in debt. That's just making it on a national average. Let's read the Scriptures with this in mind. And when we're reading this on Israel, when we're reading these warnings, think of the United Kingdom. Think of the Western world especially. Think of the United States and think of Canada and so on. Let's read chapter 64. O that thou wouldest rend the heavens that thy wood come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence, when thou didst tremble, when thou didst terrible, rather, things which we look not look not for, Thou camest down, the mountains flow down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear. Neither hath I seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth, and worketh righteousness those that remember thee in thy ways. Behold, Thou art wroth, for we have sinned in, no, in those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we, have all, we are all as an unclean thing, and our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fear as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. Our second reading is still in Isaiah. And turn with me then to um, chapter 6, please. Isaiah chapter 6. Reading from verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly, or two, that is. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims onto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged." We'll stop there. Keep your Bible open. But that's just by, in a word of prayer. Father, with all that is happening around the world, If ever before we needed you, as a church, as an individual, as a nation, we need you now, Lord. And we need you, Lord, to see and to look and to behold the things that are happening, Lord, around this world. And, Lord, help us to see through your eyes. See ourselves in your presence, Lord. May men and women see their need of Jesus. And may this nation, Lord, be turned back to you. Lord, we have fallen away from you. We have become sinful. Lord, we have become a people, Lord, who are a kick not turned, Lord. And we have asked you, O God, and we pray that you would come and, Lord, protect protect your church, protect your people, Lord. And we're asking you, Father, that you would Lord, stay the hand of the enemy that is within the gates. And Lord, that you would glorify the name which is above every other name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May his name be on our lips tonight, but may his name be exalted and glorified in our hearts. We love you, thank you, praise you, adore you, magnify you and worship you. And we ask you, Lord, to do these things for your glory and for his name's sake. Amen. A desperate cry rings out from a desperate heart, from a desperate prophet among a desperate people, from a desperate nation who are in a desperate state and in a desperate spiritual condition. Isaiah 64 and verse 1, we have him crying and saying, "Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. A desperate cry indeed, and oh that you and I, Christian, blood-washed, that you and I would feel the unction, that you and I would have the drive and the passion in our hearts again to get into that place with God and to cry unto Him for our nation. For a nation that's going to hell in a handbasket, as I say. For a nation that's so sinful and fallen for a nation where anything goes and everything goes. For a nation, for a people, for a community, for families who have no thought of the things of God. And Lord, we ask you this evening that you would raise up a people, holy and free, hearts with a vision like unto thee, souls that would rather die than give in lives with a passion, and a victory to win. That's what we need in the called-out assembly of God's people this evening, that you and I would get it into our being, have it inscribed in our hearts and imprinted upon our mind that there is a world outside that needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Voices from the so-called born-again church are almost silent because they don't want to offend. They don't want to upset. They want to be politically correct. They don't want to stand out. They want to go with the flow, have an easy life. Thank God Martin Luther didn't think the same. Or you would have... No, Reformed faith. Neither would you have the freedom and the liberty from Roman oppression this very night. God is the same God. His Word is the same Word. And you and I must stand up and be counted for all that God wants us to do. We're in dark days. We're in terrible times. Our nation is falling to bits. Our nation is a way to the dogs. God's people are so lazy and lethargic and wayward and cold in their heart. You know, it's a terrible disgrace and a shame and a shame because Christ has called us to higher things and Christ wants us to reach a lost and dying word for his name and for his glory. We can't be bothered anymore. Can't be bothered putting our hand to the plow. We can't be bothered standing up and being counted. We can't be bothered being a fool for Christ. We don't want to be ashamed in our work company. We don't want people to hear that we love Jesus. It's too emotional. Rather, Christ wants us to first love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Your first and great commandment is this, to love your God. If we love the Lord, then you and I will go out, and we will reach the lost and the dying for him, and we will be in our nation, we will be crying against all, You know what's wrong now with the Christian church. The Christian church now, i.e. the born-again believing church, if you say that you are Protestant, you're a bigot. You can be Jewish, you can be Islamic, you can be Roman Catholic, but don't say you're a Protestant because that's not right. You're just a nice, weak Christian. Now let me tell you something. The original... Protestants of the Reformation were born again people who loved the Word of God, who loved Almighty God, and they were protestants against all that was against God's written Word. I'm a Protestant. I am a protestant against all that comes against the Word of God. Here we have a man crying. Oh, that Thou wouldest, Rend the heavens, that Thou wouldest come down, seeing Israel and Judah. The nation's separated at this time. Seeing Israel and Judah. In fact, not long after this, Israel are carried away because of their sin. The enemy come and take them away. And Judah are going the same way. And this man saying, oh, if you could only see what God sees. If you could only look at our nation the way God looks at our nation. If you could see through the eyes of God, you would, be, you would be repulsed at the things that are happening in Israel, and you and I would be repulsed this evening at what's happening. But we have lost the eyes of the Spirit through the Word of God. We have lost all that God has for us. And we have lost in our own cells all God wants from us. And God says we are to be a people separated, set apart for him, proclaiming and upholding the word of life. But Christians don't even want to make church anymore. Here we have a man who is crying against sin in the nation. <laughs> It's a desperate cry indeed. As I said, Isaiah is seeing the sin of Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom. Seeing the blindness of the people and seeing their selfishness. If you read the scriptures, these people are so selfish. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. You see, when it's a man-centered thing, it's an earthly thing. But when we are God-centered or Christ-centered, then it's all about him and his power and his grace and his glory. Everything in our lives should be about Jesus. And in our nation also. Here we have them in their selfishness, their lost estate. And seeing the vulnerability of his fellow people, seeing their gross vanity and waywardness, and the depths of sin and depravity that the nation had sunken into, Isaiah seeing the enemies of Israel all around. And we can see that today. If you and I didn't have a border of water around this island home of ours, we would be run over in no time. Thank God he set that little strip of land for us as a boundary and as a barrier, that he would keep us separate. Isaiah seeing the enemies round about them. their subtle gathering around them. Also, he sees the enemy within. Now, the enemy is already within the borders of Britain and the United Kingdom. The enemy is already in. And don't be surprised if you hear of another terrorist attack that has been set up. And even what's happened in, I think it was India today we've heard... Where man goes in clothed in his long garments and sets off an exploding bomb to blow up those who are infidels against Allah and his Prophet Muhammad. There's been enemies even in little old Ulster for years murdering our kith and kin. You shouldn't talk like that now, we're at peace. They're in our government, unrepentant. Isaiah sees the enemy as within, and knowing this, and knowing his inability to change his people, crying out, how do we help, Lord? What is next for us? He cries unto God, oh, with a heart of desperation, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens and that thou wouldest come down. God willing, not this week, but if the Lord wills it, next week I'm going to show you how this represents and speaks the second coming of Christ when he will destroy all of his people's enemies when he will come and take vengeance on all them who know not God and who obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the rending of the heavens, we'll tell you about that next week. It's a, it's a strong word. We'll show you. It's the rending, the tearing apart. God will come in vengeance and, and tear apart the very skies and the heavens. Yes, they'll roll back like a scroll. The word here is, Lord, just tear them apart and come. And Jesus will come in all power and authority. And he will tear the very skies. Remember, Isaiah was also the one who cried out in Isaiah chapter 6, we have read. Seeing the vision of the Lord Jesus, Jehovah Jesus enthroned, the glorious vision, that says, when Isaiah saw him, He was upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And Isaiah sees this wonderful view, this glorious vision of this great God sitting upon a throne, and the seraphim are to the left and to the right, and hovering one beside the right and one beside the left, each had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, And with twain he did fly. The one word seraph gives the idea of something that is burning with a fiery zeal. And they're crying out to him, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And all the redeemed of the Lord are so lethargic they don't care. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. He paid the price. He gave us life. And the redeemed sit at ease in Zion and say, shrugging shoulders. They really believe this. If we really believed it, we would turn the world upside down. He sees them crying holy. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when Isaiah is given the commission by God to go and preach to Israel, to preach to his nation, he exclaims in the presence of a holy God, Woe is me! Notice what he's crying here. He cries, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man. Of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, that's what's wrong with most Christians nowadays. They've lost their vision of Christ. And when you lose sight of Christ, you lose everything. You lose fire. And you lose love. Love. For him in your hearts and you lose passion and you lose drive and you don't care. And brothers and sisters, thank the Lord in your faithfulness you're here tonight. But oh that our nation would hear it and that we would understand it and take it in and run with it. For this is the last days that we're living in. And this one, Isaiah sees is even at the doors. Woe is me, he cries, for I am undone. The word undone here is the word damam. It means, listen to this, it means I am silenced. Isaiah says, I am silenced. It gives the idea to be destroyed. It gives the idea to perish, to be cut off or cut away. It gives the idea to be consumed. So when Isaiah saw him, Jehovah Jesus on the throne, and the seraphim who were crying and the sound of it and the doorposts that were rattling and moving at the sound of his voice, he cries, he buckles as it were at the knees, and he says, oh Lord, I'm doomed to death because I've seen you. I am corrupt in your sight. You see, you know what the problem is? We don't get the reality of who we are and who He is. Who we are and who He is. And men shake the fist at God. <laughs> Foolish man. And men spit toward heaven. I told you last week, and fall back in their own face. And men couldn't care less, but one day you'll stand before Him you'll realize who you are and who he is. It means to be silenced, to be destroyed, perish, cut off, to be consumed. And Isaiah, in the presence of God, standing before the God of self-existence and all creation, and in the presence of his holy essence, Isaiah has a deep sense of depravity. A deep sense of depravity. You see, when Holy Ghost conviction comes on a man and a woman, it shouldn't be, let's coax you into the kingdom. It shouldn't be, let's barter for the Lord to see if we can win one. For Christ has already won them. It shouldn't be, let's auction Jesus off to the highest bidder. For he or she who would think they'd like to try out Jesus. Now, when the Holy Ghost conviction comes on a man and a woman, they realize their depravity before him. Their depravity. Do you know what depravity means? One, it means your inability to save yourself. And the realization of your inability to save yourself comes from that. That when you're in a place with God and his holiness through his word is preached unto you in the Spirit of God, or wings it to your heart, you realize the purity and the beauty and the holiness of Almighty God, and you're corrupt before Him. That's what it means. You realize you are corrupt, and before Him, He is all life and beauty and grace and glory. How can a creature like me, who ran the streets and get on the way I got on? How can a creature like me, who was in trouble and getting up the things, how could a creature like me, so depraved, end up being in God's heaven, in the kingdom of God? How can it happen? You know what, how it happens? By grace, through faith alone. <laughs> because he loved you and gave himself for you. And now, no matter the depths of your depravity, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Understand who you are, brother and sisters. Outside of Christ we are depraved. But understand inside, and in Christ, we are the sons and daughters of the living God. Here Isaiah realizes his depravity. Woe is me, he cries, for I am undone. Isaiah thought he was going to die. That's the idea of it. I'm going to die in your holy presence. Now listen, there's going to be a day when all of us will stand before God, whether that's at great white throne judgment for the unsaved, or whether that be at the Bemis seat of Christ for the saved. But we will stand before God, and some Christians who have not been living for God will be ashamed at his coming. ashamed of him at his coming. I should have lived right for you. I should have been in fire for you. I should have served you better, Lord. I should have been in that place of prayer and worship. I should have heard your word and applied it to my heart. I should have lived right, Lord. And you will stand before his glorious presence, and we will just crumble. The only thing that will hold us up, his grace. His grace. But the unbeliever will stand before Him in all their depravity, and the unbeliever standing before Him in all of their depravity, they will fade like their name. In Your holiness, I am going to die. When conviction of the Holy Spirit comes on a man and a woman, that's how they should feel. I feel like nothing in Your sight. God will say, you are nothing in my sight, but I loved you enough to die for you. So now you can be something in my sight. You can be my child. Here we have Isaiah crying, Woe is me, for I am undone. Isaiah thought he was going to be destroyed. He thought he was going to perish. Isaiah was conscious of his own separation from God. And this man was a priest in the temple. In other words, he's a churchy man. See all those who who, who belong to the whore of Babylon and all the harlot daughters that are joining her, all the Protestant so-called denominations that are joining in and ecumenizing and partaking of her filthiness and her whoredom. Do you see every single one of them? They will stand before him. Stand before him. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. May God forbid that we deny His power in this house. May God forbid that we deny the power of His Spirit moving in our midst. May we have a form of godliness, as it were, but we'll put it in brackets. May God forbid that we deny His power. Deny his gospel. Deny his son. May God forbid. May we be known, even if it cuts us down to the last two, may we be known as a people who love the book and the blood. Isaiah says, Woe is me, I am undone. In fact, Isaiah here he stands before God, cut off from him, unable to approach his throne. Standing with this sight and vision was enough to silence Isaiah. Isaiah realized, oh, standing before him, I can't fool him. You're not mock God. You know it all. Standing before him, Isaiah was transparent before God like a pane of clear glass. And he stands silenced, mute. I can say nothing in your presence because your presence consumes me. You wonder sometimes how when god 's presence is in manifesting in in a in a meeting tangible in a in a service if you want through the word and and the worship don't you wonder how People, where they where they are with God, when they they're unaware of, of the moving of His power in the house, the power of God should not only be stirring us up and and and, and urging us on and and, and trying to. To to bring us to places, calling us to places to where we've never been. But the power of God should be really motivating us to worship Jesus. And I wonder sometimes when the power of God is in a house and people are looking at the floor. Where are you? Oh, Isaiah, you're silenced. You have nothing to say in front of me. And oh, when God's presence comes to the the wayward man and woman or to the sinner, the unsaved that is man and woman, they have nothing to say. They have no case to bring for their defense. But you know, when you're saved bloodwashed blood-washed, and blood-bought, and spirit-filled, and God's presence comes. All I can do is praise him. I've plenty to say. But my words are Jesus, thank you. Here, Isaiah looks and he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. He couldn't stand in the presence of God he had no words to bring, no strength to, to have. And notice the tone, the reverential fear or the pain of it or the shrill of it. Woe is me. The word woe, by the way, is the word oe. Oe. And it, it, it gives the idea of a, of a passionate cry of grief or despair. A passionate cry of grief or despair. And Isaiah stands there. This priest who thought he was right and holy before God, with all of his garments and all of his guard and all who he thought he was, in the presence of Almighty God, Jehovah Yahweh, Jesus himself, he cries, woe is me! You'll consume me. You're going to kill me. I justly deserve death. That's the idea of it. And he cries with a, a passionate cry of grief and despair. says, for I am undone. Lord, I'm going to die in your presence. Do you know every single one of us would die in his presence? And when Christ returns, that's why the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And as in 1 Corinthians 15 tells us this, mortal shall put on immortality. And this corruptible shall put on incorruption. Why? That we may stand in his presence. Or he would consume us every one. You see, I could bring you a message tonight and say, just do your best. Try what you can. I'll go on, give Jesus a try. <laughs> Let's auction him off. If I do that, I'm doing you no favors for me. Because we'll all stand before him. I have to wrap this up. We are definitely doing a part two anyhow. Because I've just got through about that much of my notes. So we've not even a page. And I've already five here. This passionate cry of grief for woe is me, I'm undone. The sentiment of it is found other oh, places in Scripture. We'll do these and we'll wrap this up and go home. Job 42 and verses 5 and 6. Job who has lost all in the attack of the devil. Notice what he says, God comes and draws near to Job. Job the man whom the Lord says unto the devil, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Now sometimes you and I might think, Lord, please don't send him my way, send him somewhere else. Sometimes I feel I sent my way every day. I go, but oh, he has a tremendous experience. He has a tremendous experience with God. Listen to what he says. Job 42. I have heard thee of thee by the hearing of the ear. I've heard about you, Jesus. Mr. Job meets Jesus. I've heard about you, Jesus. Yes, I have. Isn't it fluffy and floating in clouds and lovely? Yeah, we're all doing well. Let's be church. (laughs) Listen to what he says. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now may I see of thee. Verse six. Wherefore I abhor myself. Hold on. That's not in the seeker-friendly churches today. You don't hear that in churches anymore. I abhor myself. Listen and repent in dust and ashes. If you were to read that, you find the only strength that Job had was when God comes to strengthen him. Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I'm undone, and it takes. One of the seraphim to come with the tongs and take a live cone from off the altar and touch his lips to purge him to be able to stand before God. What does it take for you and I to be able to stand before God? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. That's what it takes. Let me do two more scriptures for you and then we'll close Daniel, please. The book of Daniel. I feel I'm only getting my teeth into this, so you're going to have to bear with me next week, and maybe we'll, we'll see how we get on. Daniel chapter 10. Listen to what Daniel says in verse 8. Let's go to verse 7, Brother. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Daniel's seeing visions, and men are seeing earthquakes. You see, men whom God and women whom God are using will see in the spiritual realm. They'll see things around this world. They'll see things in the nation. They'll be willing to seek into it and look into it and stand up for it. But you see, men all around start to run. Well, I just see an earthquake. <laughs> see, when I look at Britain today, I see God preparing. Notice what he says in verse 8. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. Look, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, praying three times a day, there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Daniel says, See, when I saw him, my face was in the dirt. He knocked me out. He put my face in the dirt. I crumbled before him. Daniel, who had pulse to show, uh, and beans instead of, the, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar's food to show the glory of God. The healing power of God. The keeping of God. Daniel the man who opened his windows towards Jerusalem and prayed three times a day. Daniel the man who was greatly beloved by God. When he seen him, he fell in the dirt. He fell in the dust. And he was out for the count. Let's get this idea. Oh, this is going to be fluffy clouds and floating hearts. He loves us all. floor power. Now, let me tell you, see, when we see him, but for his grace and but for his strength, his hand touches Daniel and raises him up, but for that, you and I would never stand in his presence. Could never stand. In fact, if you're not saved, you will spend eternity burnt up and separated from his presence. Wow. Wow. Daniel 10, 15. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground and became Dumb. And behold, one night the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and spake. And he said unto me that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision, my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord? For as for me, straightway, there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me one of the appearances of a man, and he strengthened me. Daniel's saying, See everything I thought, my churchianity and my religion and my, my good living and, and all that I thought I was, an, I was a decent spot." Daniel would say. I thought I was all right. But when I stayed before him, I fell on the ground. Only for his touch, only for his touch, was I able to stand. Isaiah says, only for his touch could I stand. Peter says, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Only the touch of the master's hand. John says in Revelation 1 and verse 17, when he saw the risen, ascended, glorified Lord Jesus, he whom Isaiah saw sitting on the throne, he sees the Lord Jesus and he says, When I saw him, I fell, at his feet as dead. This is the apostle of love. He says, I saw him, and I felt like I was dying. And how will you stand before him our lives like before him and I will we stop and here it goes he says and he put his right hand upon me let's just touch again he put his right hand upon me and said I am he that liveth almost dead and behold I am alive forever Of the keys of hell, the grave, and of death. He said, Stand up. It was the touch of the master. It was the touch of Jesus. And though we need the touch of God in our lives. George Haddon Spurgeon said, God will never do anything with us. Till he has first of all undone us. You see, people who have really been converted to Christ, the first of all been undone. I'm not talking about getting into a world of sin. I'm talking about in His presence. They have had an experience. They have had an encounter. Stay before Him, and He says, "Lord, I'm a sinner, in need of a Savior, and Jesus, You alone are He." It stays with you, and burns in your heart, and it burns in your heart, and it never lets you go. And you hate your carnality. Look, we're all human. Let's face it. Let's be honest. We all carnal every one of us, from this man here to every one of us, we have our carnal moments, we have those moments and some people love to live in the carnal and others love to live in the spirit. And I hate the carnal moments of my life because I'm conscious that I stand before him every day. But now the prayer is for our nation, oh that thy wouldest rend the heavens. Lord, we need you. Thy wouldest come down. God bless you. That was a bit sober, wasn't it, today? Praise His name. Jesus is coming soon. Trust you ready. Trust you ready. A man said to me this week, last week rather, He was—he's—he's he's one of those ones where mortality doesn't seem to enter the equation. His mortality, that is. You know those times we all think that it never comes to our door. Something came to his door, speaking to him last week, and the reality that his life his life is in danger. He turned and he said to me, and this is what he said to me. He says, like, I love my life. I went, good. I never thought that i ever think like this. Because, and he used the words, when it comes to your door, you think, where's God? Who is God? He says, now all I can think of is, help me, God. Help me, God. When mortality in the presence of him strikes real in our hearts, we cry, help me, God. We realize we're not immortal to last in these bodies forever. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Till Jesus comes, Christian. But I'm talking about the unsaved. And if you can hear his voice, harden not your heart, for you know not what a day he may bring forth. Gary, come up and close for us, please.